we are now at that very serious time that the scriptures speak of in terms of the great falling away. We're watching the church as we've known it become tossed by every wind of doctrine, whether it is on uh, uh, political things, uh, medical things, the coronavirus, vaccines. It seems like the church as we know it is thoroughly disconnected from reality. The great falling away prophesied in Scripture has come. I'm wanting to begin a series of messages on the armor of God and it will end, frankly, with a call to come out of this religious system, to those who can hear it, to come out of it. It cannot write itself, it's not going to. When you understand, as we proceed to discuss what this warfare actually is and what our responses ought to be by way of what the armor of God represents, you'll understand that there is no changing possible of the religious system. And what it has produced is a, a, a shocking level of deception. The leadership of the church at the present time is comprised of people who cannot discern God, they cannot hear the truth, they cannot lead the people in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The result is a people characterized publicly as haters, doubters, people who easily believe lies and deception and seem absolutely incapable of discerning what the truth is. This is not a mature people, this is a mob of children who have grown old. They've been nurtured in pews by exploitive leadership that has plundered them while fooling them with notions of their own importance, of the, of the importance of the people. When all that they've managed to do is permanently affix the condition of being mere children, led to and fro by every wind of doctrine, because they stoke the fuel or they stoke the desires in the people to be great without having come or emerged through suffering to a place of maturity. They told them what the people wanted to hear. It's the other part of people desiring to hear what they want to hear. It's what the Scriptures say in the last days will happen, that they will not endure the soundness of the truth, but having itching ears, they will heap to themselves, they'll buy for themselves the teachers that tell them what they want to hear. 
and they'll turn from the, from the solid truth to fables, to lies, to deception, to alternative realities. It's where we are. It is where we are. One of the, one of the prophets, and there were, there were thousands of them here in America and around the world, thousands of prophets who prophesied falsely about the election in 2020. It did not happen as they said it would. And then instead of repenting and acknowledging their sin and the folly of pursuing a political agenda in place of the Kingdom of Heaven, they doubled down and lied again and again and again and again to the point where it's a disgrace now to call yourself a prophet. But again, again, these charlatans have been doing this for years, for decades. The only hearing they were hearing were the echoes of their own souls, talking in echo chambers, groups like the Elijah List and all forms of self-imposed significance, names that and appearances, bearded men, I have nothing against beards, but they created created, um, images to play upon the fancies of the unsuspecting so that they might be conflated with Old Testament prophets. Silliness run amok, blowing at diseases, calling yourself prophets of God and, and decreeing that diseases would, that would end up ravaging nations and killing millions of people would be gone in a few months because that's what the people wanted to hear. And they put, the, I mean, it, it was the height of self-delusion. They had believed for so long that the proceeds of their ill-gotten gains, having deceived the people of God and robbed them and plundered them of their resources and enriched themselves in the process, they actually ended up believing that that was proof that they spoke for God and God slapped them down. Now they're clothed in shame and ridicule and they have by themselves, they have amongst themselves, destroyed any credibility associated with the evangelical gospel. It was never the gospel, but it was the best they had. What has emerged is a prostitute church with leaders who largely function as pimps. If this is not the time to come out of her, I don't know when that time will be. It cannot reboot itself, not under this leadership, not under the Copelands and uh, uh, all of these foolish men. God has discredited them and you cannot 
re-elevate them or re-energize them. You might, but it won't be God. Now, how did this actually happen? I know that we can trace the historical roots way back to the beginnings of the Roman Empire when, uh, or early in the, in the Roman Empire, when the church was given the political status of being the state's religion. And when, when the Roman Empire broke up, the member states continued to accept a form of it in the form of national churches. God always continued to move to select a people out of it for His own possession. And it was always the state church that persecuted those who managed to escape its grasp and preach the truth anyway. If you roll the, the, the tide of history forward to the 21st century or to the, to the 20th and 21st centuries, in the 1950s there was a, a, a clear attempt to amalgamate church and state and it was focused around the person of Billy Graham, the most famous evangelical, in fact the one who coined the term evangelical uh, preachers at the time, who began his dalliance with political figures. The disgrace of, of Dr. Graham was caused by his relationship to Richard Nixon, a, a singularly corrupt politician. And then later on, uh, others of his disciples picked up, as it were, the mantle as that of Graham was fading, as Graham's star was fading. And the likes of Pat Robison, Jerry Falwell, the moral majority, stepped into the void and blew up the principle of church and state and lured the church, the evangelical church, into political activism, convincing them that this was, quote, God's nation who, who, that was called by His name and if they would take up political activism in the areas of anti-abortion, in the areas of anti-homosexual rhetoric and prayer in public school, uh, that if, if the church uh, would engage in the strident political activism of that time and along these subjects, that there would be a church, that God would hear from heaven and would heal the land, whatever that meant. They, they understood it to be God would heal America from its ills. And to this day, to this day, greater and lesser known preachers continue to, to pursue that narrative, which is if if we could turn a nation 
and especially if we could turn the legal engines of the nation toward quote-unquote godly principles, then God would come to the rescue of America. And it reached its apogee in the time of a singularly corrupt and defiled man, the last president of the United States. And the church swallowed his contemptible behavior and excused his inexcusable personal life in the pursuit of this goal, saying things like, well, God didn't choose a Sunday school preacher or a Sunday school teacher for president, He chose a hard-nosed politician. And that little leaven has leavened the whole lump so that Jerry Falwell's son uh, was dis- had to resign in disgrace. The images were all over TV. It represented perhaps the most frightening fall from grace after Kenneth Copeland's in an epoch when the the power of the evangelical gospel was absolutely lost, to the point now where we are, where thousands of erstwhile prophets and preachers advocated a return which sent some of their stupid members to to Washington a year ago, on January 6th, to bring down the wrath of a nation upon the church and to lose any remaining credibility there might have been in the church. Now, that's the historic uh, denouement, the historic pathway by which we are at the present time. But there is something far more insidious, something underneath that, that explains all of that. And by and large, this is unknown to the church, and yet this this is the puppet master who pulls the strings to which these silly and deceived people and preachers have danced. Now listen, we are past the time of nice words. We are past the time, things are not going back. If you continue to be delusional, you'll believe somehow we're going to save this nation and reboot. No, 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 no. It's not going to happen. Why? Because of what's beneath, because what what you're looking at is the outcropping of that which is below. And that which is below did not start with the Roman Empire and matriculate through the 50s and then 40 years ago burst on the scene. No. It started in the garden 
in the Garden of Eden in an interaction between the serpent and Adam and Eve. Here, this is what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is the word deception. You'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's the word methodia, you know, as in Methodist, methodia, meta and hodeo, which is a traveling over or a travesty or a trickery, a while which is to lie in wait. And again, that word M-E-T-H-O-D-E-I-A, methodia, the method of the devil. To stand against the wiles or the methods of the devil meant to entrap, to overthrow, to deceive. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Most evangelical Christians today think that Democrats are the devil because most evangelical Christians today conflate the Republican Party with the Kingdom of God. This is how deceived we have become. It's not about Democrat or Republican but the alignment with one against the other has produced a harlot church, a church that believes that an alignment with a particular set of kings is going to save the church or save a nation or advance the kingdom of God. This is how stupid we have become. I, don't, I, I wish I had words to speak to the folly of this decision, but this is where the leaders have led. That's why God has already shown you, as plainly as it can be shown, they don't speak for Him. They're speaking for your vanity, for your lust, they're feeding you. And you love it, those of you who love it, love it because you refuse to grow up. You refuse to take responsibility for becoming like Christ. You want the shortcut. You want to drink the Kool-Aid. You're drinking it voluntarily. I don't want to be this pugilistic. But in this hour, if you're going to speak for God, this is what you're confronting in the hearts of those who say they're God's people. I am not speaking to the world. I am speaking to those who say they are believers. If you persist 
in this deception, the time will surely come and shortly when nothing about what you say or do will have any connection whatsoever with the living God and with His ways. Or it may be what the churches promote, but all that indicates is that the churches and its leadership no longer speaks for God. This is a time to come out of her, come out of the harlot, because as long as you're associated with it, it will blind your mind by this deceptive folly. Now, most people say, come out of it to go where? Well, it was never what God was doing anyway. God is a family, a family in whom He lives, by whom He puts Himself on display. There's an entire order to His family that has nothing to do with church, nothing to do with institutions. It's an order of family that has fathers and sons. But that's not for now. I have much that I've said about this on my website. Look it up if you're interested. You cannot get to the truth from the church. You have to get out of it to get to it. Hmm? But let me continue. The, the, the ways of the devil to deceive are called wiles, W-I-L-E-S, methods, methods. It means that what we've thought about as spiritual warfare is silly, child's play. Going to doing Jericho marches? How absurd! But that's what we've been content with. Forms, symbols, analogies, not the reality. That's why the enemy could laugh at us and why we did a Jericho, when, when, when there was supposedly this Jericho march around the capital, it managed to land hundreds in legal trouble facing both prosecution and imprisonment. What do we say? Keep doing Jericho marches around the capital? We've been doing it for years. People who have made careers out of going to one city or another and walk the city and pray? Where do you find that in the Scriptures? It's not even like Jericho. This is about taking an example in Scripture that was specific for the time and building a theology around it, around it and, and getting silly people stirred up to go do that. Why then don't we build arcs and invite the animals to come in? Our understanding of spiritual warfare is still at the high school level. What we learned in Sunday school, maybe even below high school, when we taught children 
to dress up in cardboard cutouts and have exercises in their Sunday school classes of dressing up like a Roman soldier and walking around uh, and, and that was spiritual warfare, that was the armor of God. Or the folly of Jericho marches as spiritual warfare. Or the, 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 the elementary things about deliverance as spiritual warfare. There are methodias, methods that the enemy uses to entrap. And the silly things we've been doing never worked and they have even less of a chance of working going forward because now the entrapment has been sprung. What is spiritual warfare? What are the schemes of the devil? What are his methods that are so wily, so entrapping, that require us to take on the full armor of God? And what then are the pieces of this armor and how are they effective against the devil and against these schemes? We started with spiritual warfare as if it's something out of the blue. Paul introduces spiritual warfare in the book of Ephesians at the very end of the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, where he says, Finally, my brethren, finally, which means that everything that had preceded is relevant to understanding what he's saying. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God so that, so that you may be able to take your stand against the methods of the devil. Finally, we don't have a clue. The spiritual warfare proponents do not have a clue as to what preceded six chapters worth of prior proceedings so that the conclusion, finally my brethren, would make any sense at all. We start at spiritual warfare and we invent what the pieces of the armor of God looks like. So for all intents and purposes, when we go up to do Jericho marches around Washington DC, we might as well, from a spiritual standpoint, we might as well recognize that we are totally naked. There is no armor of God on us in those circumstances because that's not what we should be doing in the first place. These are the silly concoctions of biblically illiterate leaders who are content to stir you up and send you into battle with no ability to stand in an evil day. This isn't the battle that we are sent to. Jericho marches around Washington DC have nothing to do with spiritual warfare. They have to, they're the final installments of a theology of folly. And if you get yourself thrown in, prison, thrown in jail, 
charged with crimes, it is entirely foreseeable. Stop it! It's time for something else. It's time for the truth. I hope you will stay with me as we unpack what first is spiritual warfare, what is the battle, and then how we are to engage the armor of God in this battle. I'm Sam Solon. We'll continue our discussion. Thank you.